This is Healthcare Now Radio's Trending Now. Get ready for an exhilarating 30-minute ride through the latest topics driving change in digital health across the news and social media. Join us as our subject matter host takes the lead in uncovering what's hot and what's not. So buckle up and tune in to stay in the know. Hello and welcome to Trending Now on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm your guest host, Greg Masters, sitting in today. And what's trending now is the Health 2023 event that's uh, recently wrapped in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was fortunate to be there, and so were my two guests, who are hosts on the Healthcare Now Radio Network. Dr. Nick Vanderhaden, a.k.a. Dr. Nick, is the incrementalist and host of the radio show News You Can Use. And Dr. Joshua Liu is the host of The Digital Patient. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Greg, thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Likewise, Nick, Greg, excited to do this with you both. So trending now is obviously health. Health 2023, this is an event that hails itself as the ecosystem event for the entire healthcare industry. Here's some stats. It's the sixth annual event that was just held in Las Vegas. The first event was held in 2018. There were 3,500 attendees. This year, that topped over 11,000. This included over 900 sponsoring exhibitors and 350 speakers. So let's start with first with overall impressions. Dr. Nick, why don't you share your key takeaways from health? Well, I think it was clear that everybody was calling this the year of AI. Um, I bristled a little bit with uh, that concept because I think AI has been around for a lot longer than uh, just this year. And calling this the year of AI seemed a little bit uh, um, inappropriate, given that we've been working towards this point and continue to do so. Was it exciting? Has been lots of innovation and certainly improvements in terms of what the technology can offer? Absolutely. But would I call it the year of AI? I'm not so sure. And I really sort of looked at this from a uh, workforce standpoint, and that was really where I found the most uh, insights and impact. There was really an awful lot of commentary from a wide range of individuals talking about the enormous challenge that we face in healthcare with lack of resources. We're struggling to deliver enough resources into the system to satisfy healthcare of many, many people that continue to be underserved by a healthcare system, or at least unequally served, let's say. Um, and the challenge with that is that you can't throw resources at this, not least of all when we look at the senior levels and the uh, highly trained uh, individuals in the system. It takes many, many years to get a cardiologist or to get an orthopedic surgeon or a physician or a nurse specially trained in intensive care. So you can't just say, right, we need some more resources. We could, of course, go and steal them from other places, which you know has been one of the ways that we've approached this is to attract talent from other countries, but that's really not the answer. And in that sense, it was all about finding solutions that tried to allow the people already in the system to actually spend more time in care. And that certainly was where AI, I think, delivered more value or uh, started to really bring new opportunities to allow the clinicians in the healthcare system to do more clinical care. Beyond that, I, I'm just going to make one mention right at the beginning, because for me, it really sort of stood out. And I think it was more about attracting interest. And that was General Catalyst's announcement about buying a healthcare system. You know, this whole concept of 
Uh, I think they called it HATCO. I'm not sure what that stands for. But, you know, this for me was uh, just extraordinary. We've seen so many folks trying to step into the healthcare and say, gosh, you know, we we do this uh, kind of work in uh, uh, business, in finance, uh, whatever system they're in. Um, I know we can do this better. And they step in and they say, we're going to improve healthcare because we know what we're doing. General Catalyst, this wasn't the first time that they've announced something at health. Um, in fact, they did so, I think, a year or so ago. It really lacked a lot of detail. All it did was focused a lot of attention. And, you know, that included me, to be fair. I sort of commented on it, as lots of people did. I'm not sure it's really highly relevant, um, but it, it, it created a lot of buzz and a lot of uh, interest because suddenly you've got this... Um, uh, financial organizations saying, we're going to go and buy a system and then make it right, which was an interesting approach, but I'm not so hopeful about it. Um, Josh, what about you? Yeah, so maybe the springboard off of what Dr. Nick said. So I agree. I, I don't think this really was the year of AI. You know, to your point, AI is not new to healthcare. I think people forget, for example, that you know, ECGs for the past 30 years have had an AI element where it basically produces a, an initial diagnosis that you can choose to accept or reject, but but using AI is not new in healthcare. I think what, what it was was maybe the year of, let's call it generative AI, or at least the year of consumer-facing AI where individual people feel like they can actually interact with AI, and certainly chat, GPT, and generative brought that to the forefront. I think a very common thing I heard from at least the provider folks was, you know, don't call it artificial intelligence. We'd like to call it augmented intelligence. I think there was that big theme of we don't want to replace clinicians. We want to augment their capabilities so they can deliver more care at scale. As Dr. Dick mentioned, the workforce shortage is a huge thing right now. So I think that was a big theme from an AI front. Um, I, I agree. I think the general callous announcement was pretty interesting. Actually, yesterday, um, Mark Harrison, who's you know former Mountain CEO, now is the CEO of this new Hat Cove company, he did an interview on Becker's and he kind of actually laid out a bit more of their plan, which was kind of really interesting. So he said, hey, you know, we're planning to spend between one to three billion dollars on a health system. So maybe something in like a five hospital system kind of range we're looking at. Um, but I think my big my big guess is that there might be big ambitions to, you know, re-engineer how a health system should be from the ground up as a reference point. But I think I suspect at the very least. It's going to be a test bed for their portfolio companies to basically get them their first reference customer to, you know, everyone complains about sales cycles in healthcare and health systems. If they can get companies getting deployments quickly in their own system and their own living lab and then export that and commercialize it to other health systems, I feel like that's like the floor of what they could do. If they can actually transform healthcare beyond that, that would be amazing. But I think at the very least, it's going to be a big win for their portfolio companies is what I'd guess. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I think we're in violent agreement in all of that. So uh, well said, Josh. Yeah, I, I would add, guys, that um, I also felt that the HATCO announcement, which uh, is the health assurance transformation company fostered by General Catalyst, which well known in the space, but uh, they recruited uh, Stephen Clasco from Jefferson 
And the uh, CEO of Hadco is former CEO of Intermountain Health. So they're put, they're stitching together some really high powered people with real deep experience in the transformation theater. You know, Clasco, if you're not following what Jefferson has pioneered, they really went in deep into the, the hub and spoke academic medical center and surrounding community hospitals integration, and then the remote patient monitoring and, and telehealth. They really leveraged that quite a bit. So he learned a lot. By the way, when Klaska was on stage at one of the award ceremony after that announcement, which I found is the most profound event at health this year was HATCO. Uh, I went up to Klaska and I said, hey, I hadn't heard that the dollar scale range that you uh, qu- quoted, Josh. <clears throat> but I went up to him and I said, so that, uh, that health system you're acquiring wouldn't happen to be Jefferson, would it? <laughs> he looked at me, he goes, no. <laughs> I'm just curious. So. so so can I can I push back a little Please. bit, Greg? Because you know, that's that's what I do, but I feel a bit of deja vu with Haven. I mean, didn't we hear all this? And if you were gonna cite somebody that I I mean, I huge amount of respect for Atul Gawand. And they put him in and I go, wow, you know, inspired. And then in hindsight, no disrespect to him. I just don't think he was set up to to be successful. We didn't get anything. I mean, literally nothing. I mean, maybe they did with some private set. So I'm I'm a little bit more um uh reserved about any you know positive outcome I, I i don't want to beat up on people but everybody that's in healthcare that i've ever talked to that actually lives and breathes this you know clinicians on the gold face all say yeah it's a bit more complicated than that i mean that's my experience <laughs> as, as i recall the announcement he said 14 member friendly typically nonprofit 501c3 health systems as members in the entity and then the target acquisition most likely a 501c3 health system they're going to at least in contrast to haven and actually even before that i don't know if you guys remember partners health plan joint venture with Aetna, which was part of voluntary hospitals association a big fail epically failed uh never really reached the presence in the marketplace but if they're going to create a living laboratory that is a health system that's under their zeitgeist of innovation wow that'll be really different but i'm with you a tool was not an operator Haven, once JP Morgan got cold feet, oh my God, this puts us at odds with our client base. We're out of here, you know? So yeah, it's an interesting. Healthcare, if nothing, it's always interesting. That's always my... uh, my... (laughs) I I, I think a neat thing though, is that um, I'm curious, like, they're going to have to build a culture at this new, at this, you know, purchase system that's a little bit more nimble, more innovative. I wonder if they're going to be able to recruit a certain like archetype of clinician who, you know, wants to move fast, wants to break things, wants to try new things. They actually may be able to build a, a pretty forward-thinking culture who's excited to partner with with a big VC firm. I think they can also lose a lot of staff who come with the system who just don't feel comfortable with this. So I, I'll be curious to see how they navigate the people culture aspect right. of, of that purchase. It's going to be pretty, pretty different. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, there's certainly groups of people within every system that want to move fast, but then there's lots of naysayers and the folks that know this is the way that we've done it. And, you know, mixing it, 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 even if you bought it with that intent and that's what you're driving towards, you've still got to change what's there. It's, you know, it comes with all this baggage that, 
is just extraordinarily hard to sort of change. And, you know, I, uh, there are days when I think about it sort of quite despondently. I mean, I'm always hopeful most of the time, but it, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, it, it's Cepheus and his stone going up the hill, right? <laughs> For those of us who've been at this a while, a while I identify. Right. Yeah. So, Jeff, let me come back to you. Uh, thanks for the clarification on AI. That was that was really well stated and well framed. And uh, maybe you might contrast what the generative piece is mm. in terms of what historically has been sort of AI, le legacy AI, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I don't know if I would call it legacy AI. I just think that um, I think probably most of the AI that's, that's existed in healthcare has probably been more of the, let's call it either predictive nature. So a lot of it's been around predictive analytics. So we have a we have a lot of data collected in healthcare and people have built models around predicting risk of readmission and mortality and all kinds of things. So I think that's been a big piece. The other that's been a bit more recent has been around, you know, machine learning and um, aspects of, you know, of, of computer vision when it comes to like medical imaging and be able to um, try and identify um, pathologies in, in in images. So I mean that's that's started to, to grow the last couple of years. But I think with, with generative, we think about, you know, large language, language models and specifically around how do we actually create new, new information or query information, produce new content. So, I mean, the really hot one that we've seen in health has been around ambient clinical intelligence or ambient voice text. So for folks who aren't familiar, historically, the way clinicians would create medical notes is to actually dictate them or write them out. Well, with ambient clinical intelligence, you know, you just... Uh, it just listens to you talk through an application, and then it automatically summarizes that into a note for you. You review it and, you know, make a few changes and then just sign off on it. You know, Microsoft and Nuance made a, a huge announcement at Health about some brand new, um, I think, Copilot, they called it, which basically is that full service will listen to it automatically with AI and then spit out a note for you. Um, the thing I was really disappointed by, to be honest, was we had two the two main leaders in the room. We had you know the head of you know uh, Nuance Ambient there on stage, but Ian Shaquille, who I you know I'll, I'll admit like I I know him personally, and he's the founder of Augmetics, the other major leader in Ambient Clinical Intelligence. He was there at Health, and I'm just like, how could they not get these two people on stage debating on a roundtable? The two leaders in, in Ambient Clinical Intelligence, like they're in the same room. How is that not a session? That kind of blew my mind. We had all the DNA in the room for that. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I agree. I mean, that whole space I think is super interesting, super exciting. I think one of the things that I noted, you know, I commented on after the fact. I mean, I had the pleasure of going and seeing Nabla, which is a company out of uh, France, and you know, I, I. I had a demo and I, I i spent my life in this space and have watched this you know i think it's been interesting there's been developments but it's been a lot slower than i expected here was the thing that really came out because there was a a, a big animated discussion on one of the boards that i spend time on and i'd sort of highlighted well it's you know there's more to it than nuance and augmetics and you know some of the names that most people somebody actually produced a list of 246 about 15 or 16 other companies that are doing this and that to me is really exciting because that's what i think we need in this space which is lots of competition of folks that are starting to use that generative technology 
to create that note. And the demo I had, and I think this was, you know, across that large span of customers, have any, a, a discussion with your physician. And we did. It was in the, the hall. It was on the phone. And 20 seconds later, it produced a note. And I wasn't making it easy. I wasn't being ridiculous about it, but I certainly didn't make it easy. It was actually two physicians interviewing me and, you know, asking me questions. And the note that came out just blew my mind. And I think that's pretty impressive because I'd been in this space for a long time. I'm very excited about that specific technology, not from a single um, you know, provider, but from all of those providers now really pushing the envelope to say, can we now start to produce notes without having to do all that you know, stuff in the background? Very exciting. So guys, let's pause for a moment. If you're just tuning in, I'm Greg Masters, and you're listening to Trending Now on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm talking with Dr. Nick Vanterhaden and Dr. Joshua Liu as we reflect on the just wrapped up health event in Las Vegas. So Nick, let me come back to you. Um, you've authored uh, on incrementalhealthcare.com some of your thoughts and takeaways from health. Uh, what else you got? Yeah, so a few other things that sort of stood out. You know, one was the big loss of people. Um, you know, I talked about this, but, you know, it really struck me. One of the data points I heard was 200,000 nurses lost during the pandemic. You can't switch that back on. I mean, we've got to find resources to replace that. And it came with an additional data point that I wasn't aware of. Josh, I'm curious to know if you 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 were familiar with this, but 60% of cardiologists and, and pretty much most other specialties, um, the individuals in that are over 55. Well, whoa, we're now, you know, we're going to have a real problem filling the back end of that to have enough resources to be able to do some of these things. And, you know, technology can help, but we've really got to sort of solve this problem of getting resources in. A um, couple of other things that stood out to me, it was, you know, the nuclear arms race that I feel, um, you know, we're in between the various organizations, the ones that want to pay for healthcare and the ones that are delivering the healthcare, or, uh, you, know, you know, essentially the payers and, you know, the providers of it and patients are sort of stuck in the middle. But, you know, they continue to find ways of not paying, finding ways to pay, you know, some of this revenue cycle management approach, you know, we're we're trying to remove administrative, you know, in many instances, it's not, it's economic. And, you know, it's just a constant battle with this technology and who's got the better resources. That's, you know, a little bit depressing because we really need to focus on other things. And then the other thing that I saw was, you know, drugs. I, I mean, <laughs> my Lord, the the whole agonist for, for obesity that we're seeing this new class of drugs and, you know, the fear that that's going to rip away um, you know, whole sectors of our economy, you know, from chips and and soda companies disappearing, which, you know, I, I'm not seeing that necessarily. But, you know, yes, we can see some value, but they're really expensive. Can we afford them? You, you know, so there's, there's this constant flowing change to the way that we deliver healthcare. But this seemed like a, an inflection point in terms of some of the understanding. It really was quite the revolution and came quite quickly, a bit like the um, GPT that we saw sort of launch on us. And maybe that was my my one big takeaway was if you thought things were moving fast before, holy smokes, we're, we're <laughs> somebody just turned on the gas and poured more, more gasoline into the fire. I mean, it's just uh, so many things were happening. 
And I had a really hard time keeping up. I mean, I was just, I was overwhelmed initially, but, you know, as I said in my my post, I ultimately sort of looked at this as a, a, a process of going around and finding, um, you know, I was uh, looking for opportunities to uh, engage with people. And, you know, some of it was random, um, but it was well worthwhile. And we usually cross paths. I didn't even see you. So, nope, so no, yeah. not once. Yeah. And I, I'm, I made that point, you know, there were lots of people yeah. I know that were there and never, never saw, saw them. them. Right. So, okay, Josh, uh, let's go back to you. Anything else that kind of key takeaway? Yeah. Well, I think an amazing thing is if we think back to, to a year ago, and if you had asked us in 2022 to predict what would be the main themes and trends of health 2023, I mean, I would not have guessed GOP ones. I would not have guessed generative AI maybe not even like the, the rise of, of, you know, retail going really big on, on virtual care. Like I, I probably would have guessed something far, far different. So I think to your point, Dr. Nick, the speed at which things are changing, like I don't even want to try and predict what help 2024 is going to be all about. Um, I, I think one, one stat that, that came to mind during that um, got me um, shocked was there was a session where um, Dr. Nisha Mehta talked about how, you know, 75% of physicians now would not recommend medicine to their kids as a career. So like, I am so worried about the future of the workforce. I mean, population growth is on decline. We got the silver tsunami growing. People are leaving healthcare. And I, I don't think we can just, you know, you know, hope that AI is going to solve everything with the workforce shortage. Uh, we need people excited about healthcare again. We, we got to you gotta get, you gotta make it better. You gotta have a better working condition so people want to actually keep making that difference and, and not get you know cynical so quickly once they they get into healthcare. So I'm really worried about that, um, and I hope that's a big theme kind of going forward. We gotta fix that. Yeah, I'm just I, I I've got to add to that. I mean, I it, that's very personal to me, Josh, because my daughter is uh, PGY two and. She entered in, you know, she's been bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, wanted to do this since as long as we could remember as a family. And, you know, that first year, all she wanted to do was quit. All she wanted to do was quit. That is a terrible, terrible tragedy. And she's N of one, but we see it across the board. We have to fix this. Technology is not going to do this. We've got to give a damn about the people actually delivering care. Yeah, no, she's not alone. There's no question about that. And that drain from the the nursing pool, that's on top of a strained nursing pool. I mean, how many uh, per diem registry staff in hospitals today? Somewhere between on the low end, 10% to the high end, 60, 70% come from agencies and, and registries. So a lot of instability in the in the labor pool, so to speak. What, what do you all think about the uh, the big announcements from from retail? So I know um, so Walmart big made that big announcement that they're rolling out primary virtual care to all, all their employees and families. I think the other big one was, you know, Walgreens. Um, Tracy Brown kind of came out and said, you know what? Before there were three networks in healthcare: hospitals, doctors, urgent care centers. Now there's a fourth network. They're calling community-driven healthcare, which is basically you know go to your local Walgreens and get healthcare. Um, you know, where, where do you think that might go in the next uh, couple of years? I, I, I've got to say, I've, I've always watched Walmart and thought, you know, very much along the line of, um, uh, the pharmacies, you know, when you look at the demographics, you, you find that 98% of the population 
lives within 10 to 15 minutes drive of a pharmacy or a Walmart. And if you're going to deliver local care, which you need to, you can't just do telehealth. Let's be clear. Fantastic solution in certain cases, but you still have to have that one-to-one. I'm a big fan of them because I think they're in the right places. They've got the bricks and mortar, the infrastructure. Um, You know, they've failure to launch a little bit in many instances, and they've had some interesting people running them and then have left. That doesn't mean to say they're out. Um, and, you know, to be clear, I'm not negative on general catalyst. I'm just, you know, a bit circumspect about, hey, we're going to buy it and fix it. I, these folks are similar in that sense, but I'm rooting for them a little bit more because I think they've got the right infrastructure to be able to deliver if they can add in all those other services. So for me, that's maybe that's the 2024 prediction that I shouldn't make. And nobody's ever going to call me on if I get it wrong. But if I get it right, I'm going to come back to this recording and say, that's going to be 2024 health, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the, the, the thing I heard from providers at health was, you know, we we can't ignore um, retail's entrance into to healthcare. Um, to ignore it would just be foolish. I even heard one one CIO say on a panel, um, you know, if if we as providers as health systems can't satisfy all the primary care needs, all the urgent care needs of of you know the country, and Walmart and and you know Walgreens, CVS can actually get a clinic in every single store so that patients can get brick and mortar care, maybe we should accept that's part of the solution that we have to have in the country. And so I think we're seeing that open mindedness mm. start to come up with with providers that hey you know what maybe they can be part of the solution and we don't like competing with it but if we're thinking big picture maybe it's necessary. And can I sorry Greg I know you try um, I I just want to say the one key thing if you're going to make that successful make it integrated in data and actual care so that it's not just this outside whatever so that you know if i get it there it still flows in and it comes into my data point sorry greg so i just want to say really quickly i think we're deja vu two here on uh round two with the retail integration plus tech and all those names that we're familiar with it remains to be seen i think i'm a little less optimistic about it i think physicians have to take back control of the delivery system up to and including the financing piece. When they do that, I think, Yay for physicians. Yeah, I think we were in a bit, be in better spot. So um, we are uh, getting towards the end here. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? Um, I, l- let me kick off and say, you know, I, I, I got to say, I love the whole change. I think that's important. We've got to keep you know, constantly innovating, coming up with new things. I do get a little bit concerned about the glitziness of all of this. And, you know, I respect health for what they do. They do this deliberately to try and, you know, make people do things unusually so that you mix mix and match in ways that don't typically uh, uh, take place in, you know, the storied conferences. So that's a good thing. But we need to keep an eye on the dollars and spend the money appropriately on the care of the people that actually need the care. Um, I, I continue to be hopeful. Everybody knows my glass is always full. It's half full of whiskey and half full of air. So, um, you know, I look forward to the next one. And uh, unlike Josh, I'm going to say uh, year of the retail. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think, And I think for me, you know, Health 2024, my hope actually is that there is not a bunch of new themes and announcements. I actually hope 2024 is we talked about all these things in 2023, these new things like generative AI. And here are now the success stories that we're showcasing 2024 because it worked. It's not we're going to jump to three new themes because nothing worked that we tried. Let's see success. Well, there you have it. 
That'll be the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank Nick and Josh for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. Learn more about news you can use and the digital patient along with the show Pop Health Week on their program pages at healthcarenowradio.com and learn more about trending now on its program page on healthcarenowradio.com as well. And make sure you follow the show's social hashtag, hash TrendingNowHC. I'm Greg Masters, and until next time, if it's happening in healthcare and it's now, it's on Trending Now. Trending Now.